Jewish Latin Princess, Episode 74, Ilana Silber, Executive Director of Sharsheret. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. Did you know that one in 40 Jews of Ashkenazi descent carry a mutation of the BRCA gene, as opposed to one in 500 people of the general population? Did you know that men can also transfer the gene to their sons and daughters? That is, ovarian and breast cancer, while affecting women primarily, is not only a women's issue. In fact, as my guest says, this is a Jewish community issue. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Ilana Silber, Executive Director of Sharsheret. Sharsheret is a non-for-profit organization supporting young Jewish women and their families facing breast and ovarian cancer. You might recall that I had Stacy Middleman, survivor and author of the book Dear Cancer Love Stacy, back in episode 30, talking to us about her experience battling cancer and about being a carrier of the BRCA gene mutation. Ladies, we're just coming out of the high holidays and we're entering in the US at least, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, the month of October. So this episode couldn't be more timely. Perhaps this is a cause that you might like to dedicate your tzedakah to. Perhaps you need to call Sharsheret either because you have been diagnosed, God forbid, or your friend family or community member is going through a cancer diagnosis. Did you know that many people do not realize how much peer support from others who are undergoing the same thing or who have been through it can help them? But Sharsheret not only offers tremendous private and confidential peer support through their links network, but many other super practical services that can ease a person's burden tremendously by helping them navigate through logistics, parenting and marital issues and so much more. Ilana talks to us about how this one wonderful organization was started and the various services it offers, what to do if you know someone who could benefit from Sharsheret services, why is Sharsheret also bringing education to college campuses, who should be doing genetic testing, what does that mean practically speaking, and why is this an important piece? How did Ilana end up in this amazing position of directing this organization? Was this what she had in mind? Listen up, ladies. This one is for each and every one of us. And please, I beg you to share this content with as many women as you know. It is that important. Here's Ilana Silver. Lana Silver, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on your show with you. I'm so I'm excited so- to have this conversation with you. We're approaching Breast Cancer Awareness Month, October, and you are the executive director of Sharsheret, such an important organization for the Jewish community and for the community at large. Um, before we get started to your role and what you do, I want you to take us back a little bit to Sharsheret's inception and um, the void in in the and I guess in cancer care that Sharsheret's founder Rochelle Sharitz, Alava Shalom, who she tried to fill in her lifetime with this organization. What was that need uh, that you're serving today? 
that was so crucial? So if I take you back um, to 2001, um, Rochelle Shoretz was 28 years old. She was a young mom. She had two little boys, three and five, and she was diagnosed with breast cancer. She was an otherwise healthy young woman. And she was a rising attorney. She had clerked for Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm. And so she was a very bright, educated woman and was looking for support in the Jewish community and in the cancer community. And there were many offers for her to speak with grandmothers and aunts, but there were no resources for her that could address her issues as a young Jewish woman. What are Um, those issues specifically? What were those issues? Things she was grappling with were like um, intimacy with her husband while going through chemotherapy and after surgery, the challenges of fertility that might be compromised because of her treatment, living in a close-knit community and trying to maintain privacy, Mm. balancing career and cancer, um, and even preparing for the Jewish holidays. Um, You know, we just finished Rosh Hashanah, um, and uh, Rochelle, also known as Ruchi to her close friends, was diagnosed in the end of July. So Rosh Hashanah was around the corner and um, women who are facing Rosh Hashanah, there are a number of cultural challenges. Um, For example, um, preparing for the holidays when you're going through illness and looking good when you have to go to synagogue and everyone who you haven't seen in a year sees you. And even in the services itself, when you know, when you focus on who shall live and who shall die. This is a very daunting experience when you've just been diagnosed with a serious illness. And many in the Jewish community, like Ruchi, were searching for strength and support from God and spirituality. And she wasn't finding any of these issues um, being addressed in the secular community or even in the Jewish community. Uh, But then she was introduced to another young woman. Her name was Lauren. And Lauren was just a few months ahead of Rochelle in her treatment. And she got her through those harrowing days before surgery and through treatment and how to talk to her young children and how to handle all aspects of life. And while still undergoing chemotherapy, Rochelle looked at Lauren and said, we can't be the only two young Jewish women out there. If we could help five women a year, wouldn't that be a tremendous mitzvah? Wouldn't we be filling this void in the Jewish community and in the cancer community. Um, and in that first year, over a thousand women were reached. Wow. How? So they so started to put ads in newspapers and a lot of word of mouth, a lot of Tehillim groups where their women's names are shared when women are uh, reading Psalms together as a group. Um, and people started to hear and email and call and um women from all Jewish backgrounds and finding a place that really understands them, understood their stage of life and their stage of cancer and their connection to Judaism. Um, and that's how Sharsharet started. Sharsharet is Hebrew for the word chain and mm-hmm. it represents these connections that we make between women and it started as this peer support network um, where women who were matched, not just because, oh, they're Jewish and they have breast cancer, but because what they were concerned about and what their issues were, the women who were further along could share their experiences uh, with the women who were more newly diagnosed and they could speak to one person or they could speak to multiple people. And, um, and through that peer support network, we started hearing um, other things that women wanted to know about and develop into more of a program. Like, yes, they could have a conversation about 
how to talk to their children about breast cancer, but how do we keep them busy when mom is at treatment or resting when she comes home from the doctor? How do we teach children of all different ages about what's going on and how they can handle the cancer journey? You could have children who are in lower school or in middle school or high school or adult children. Um, what about the whole genetics issue, which I know is going to come up in this conversation because it's so prevalent in the mm-hmm. media. Um, and um, what about women who are living with late stage cancer? So from these conversations, um, we've developed programs to address all different access aspects of the cancer journey from before diagnosis for women who have a strong family history or have carry a genetic mutation to diagnosis and treatment and even into the survivorship years, women have issues well beyond treatment. And when they finish with chemotherapy or they finish with surgery, there are still questions and still issues that they grapple with. And Sharsharet is addressing those. And it all emanated from this relationship that Rochelle had with Lauren. That is an unbelievable story. Um, And I know that you've expanded into numerous types of services. You mentioned the children and I know you, for example, you provide packages for kids to keep busy while mom is in the hospital and just all sorts of really creative and interesting things that really tap into, I guess, listener listening, you guys listening to women and what they need. Um, So it's more than just conversations and having a peer group that you go when you talk to, right? Yes. Everything at Sharsharet is facilitated by skilled, trained professionals. We have six social workers and a genetic counselor who are on call 24-7. And I really mean 24-7. We even have a live chat feature on our website because we know that women are up at three o'clock in the morning, feeling anxious, have questions, need to reach out so they can reach someone even in the middle of the night and arrange a time to speak. So even the matches are being facilitated by a social worker or the genetic counselor who've all been trained in all stages of cancer and in all mm-hmm. religious backgrounds. And everything at Sharsharet is confidential, uh, convenient, and free of charge. So women do not have to leave their homes or fill out another form. They can speak with someone on Sharsharet's team and get the support that they need. So The peer support is one aspect of support, but we offer what we call clinical support, which is patient navigation through social workers who are well-versed in what's going to happen next and anticipate your needs. So even if it's something that you didn't think of, they can help you through it. That's amazing because I imagine that that part can be so overwhelming that it's just good to have that support. What about financial support, Ilana? I, I can only imagine that this takes a big financial toll on families and that just it's an added emotional burden. Do you get that often? So we do get a lot of questions and what we have now available is a financial wellness program where we can provide resources and connections for women. So for example, organizations that help to pay your mortgage, um, we partner with them or there are pharmaceutical companies that sometimes can get medication for reduced rate or free of charge. So Sharshar has multiple resources where we can make connections for women to help alleviate the financial burden for women at this point. And um, and we're only looking to expand this financial wellness program also to help women um, with financial planning and estate planning. These are topics that don't that may not have come up in the past, but now that women are living with illness, they are dealing with this and leaving the workplace for a time period and how does health insurance work we can help them 
them with that and get them experts in the field to work with them one-on-one. That's amazing. Um, and and I, I must mention now that it is a national organization, right? You're serving, you're everywhere in the United States. Yeah, we have callers from all 50 states. And we even, while we are national-based, we do have actually women calling from all over the world. Wow. Um, and ex- uh, benefiting from as many programs as they can from that distance. So we have callers from Israel. We even have an Israel page on our website. We have callers from Hong Kong, callers from Canada, for sure. Um, and then even from the U.S. Virgin Islands, we've had calls. So women are calling in Sweden. Um, but yes, we're available in all 50 states and everything is free and everything is sent to you. So For example, we have a program that addresses the cosmetic side effects of treatment where you experience hair loss and changes in skin, and we will mail you a Best Face Forward box, and in it has eyebrow stencils so you can fill in your eyebrows and Mm -hmm. makeup tips designed by a makeup designer on how to apply your makeup when you've lost your hair to treatment um, and how to wear a wig and all the different options. Shashara is sending that resource to you. You don't have to leave your house, your office, wherever you are it's about being comedian we understand what it's like to be an active woman and i want to explain about when we say young sometimes people think am i not young enough to call sharsharet because we define young very loosely it's self-defined so we have women calling in their 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s 70s even in their 80s and as long as they're active they might they will benefit from Sharsharat's empowering programs. We will partner with organizations that help the elderly. So if a woman is calling for something like uh, Meals on Wheels or Friendly Visitors, we partner with organizations that can provide those services. But we focus on women who are more active um, and who are working, dating, raising children. Right. Uh, and we actually had a woman who was 61 years old and she had children later in life and she adopted a child in her 50s. So she was dealing with a third grade daughter, um, which is the same thing that someone who in her mid-30s might be dealing with. Right. So there is no age limit to calling Sharsharad. And we can always help you get what you need, no matter what your age and no matter what issue you're dealing with. If it's not something that Sharsharad offers, we will save you the time and legwork from getting that service. We will arrange it for you. How many people do you have in your staff, Ilana, to to conduct such such a detailed operation? So right now we have... 26 staff members because we have two areas of focus. We've talked a lot about the individual support, the clinical support, the peer support, but we're also doing education to the community at large. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we also have a whole team of outreach doing education and outreach all across the country. Um, So there's a whole team that works on the outreach and and another team that works on the support. So education starts in college campuses. We're on 150 college campuses because we're focusing on the next generation, um, educating them about their risks, about the signs and symptoms of breast cancer and ovarian cancer, and about the genetic mutation that we educate students that what we're sharing is not about your grandmother's cancer. you as a young adult that you can take control of your health and protect your future so 
I mean, these, they are future doctors, our future rabbis, and unfortunately, the next generation to be diagnosed. So we have, we are already starting on college campuses, and then we do community education at synagogues. We uh, do a program called Sharsheret Teal Shabbat and Pink Shabbat that is in 175 synagogues of all denominations, many taking place in October and beyond, uh, where we provide speakers and content for the rabbis or the spiritual leaders to share from the pulpit um, and resources and materials. And we design programs for each individual community to meet their need. Um, and then we provide seminars and webinars on the hottest topics in breast cancer and ovarian cancer and genetics. And we get world-renowned medical professionals on those webinars to address those topics. And women and families have an opportunity to even ask their personal questions on those webinars. And they're all archived on our website, all of our resources, all of our webinars, so that when uh, people have time or they want to look up a specific topic, it's all available for free download on our website. That's amazing. So you touched on the on the college campuses, I guess that that's a perfect segue to my question about the need within the Jewish community, because I think, you know, may, like you said, sometimes people might assume this is an issue for our grandmothers. Nobody, people often are not aware of how vast is the need, in particular for Ashkenazi Jews. We've heard about the BRCA gene, but maybe we don't really realize what that means, how prevalent it is, and how can it, it can affect us our friend, our neighbor, our colleague. So talk to us about that a little bit. Okay, I mean, this is when numbers matter. Mm -hmm. One in 40 Jews of Ashkenazi descent, that's both men and women, carries a BRCA, a BRCA gene mutation, as compared to one in 500 in the general population, making Jewish families at 10 times greater risk for hereditary breast cancer, ovarian cancer, and related cancers. And those related cancers are pancreatic cancer, prostate cancer, melanoma, and male breast cancer. They're all associated with the BRCA or the BRCA gene mutation. So when you know your genetic status, there are measures you could take today to mm -hmm. protect the future. And that could mean prophylactic surgeries, that could mean increased surveillance, and especially for the younger generation, adopting healthy lifestyles, less smoking, no drinking, eating healthy, exercise, all these things, surveillance, surgery, and healthy lifestyle behaviors have all been associated with preventing cancer. With the advancements in testing and counseling and technology, we actually have the power today to possibly prevent a cancer diagnosis or diagnose it in its early stages when it may be cured. We don't necessarily have to wait for a cancer diagnosis. So you mentioned knowing your genetic status. Does that mean that who should be getting checked? Who should be getting tested? So the, there's a lot of different theories out there on who should be getting tested. What we feel is really important is to discuss with your healthcare professional. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of opportunity now to get tested. There's a lot of accessibility, but we really value the counseling piece. You have to speak to a professional who can explain to you results because the results are complicated. You know, it's not like a pregnancy test where if you find out you're negative, you're negative, right? And you know what happens after that. When you do a test to test your genetic status and you come out negative for BRCA, BRCA1 or BRCA2, it's not the end of the story. It's very important to know your family history. They're discovering new genes every day. It's not that, oh, you're negative, 
you don't need to worry anymore. You need to take control of your health. You need to speak to a professional or speak to someone um, on Shared staff. It doesn't have to even be your own healthcare professional. We have a genetic counselor. We have social workers who are trained in this topic to tell you if you are a candidate for testing, what it means if you test, what it means if you test positive, what it means when you test negative. When you test also, because it's all about genes and mm -hmm. genes and families, your results don't just affect you but it affects your larger family, your siblings, your children, your cousins. There's a lot of shared genes, so there are difficult conversations that come out of this, and so it's not an easy answer who should get tested. We know that the recommendation right now is not to even screen anyone under the age of 25, but there are women that are, and men that are doing that. And again, I emphasize that men carry this mutation as well. Yeah, and I want to talk about that because I yeah. heard, I had a guest on my show, Stacey Middleman, on episode 30. She's the author of Dear Cancer, Love Stacey, and she's a survivor. And she discussed this important point about men. I don't think she did on in the interview, but I, I heard her speak once. So talk to us about that because I don't know that we are so aware of this important fact. Yeah. So everyone has a BRCA gene. It's like a man, woman, it's part of your makeup. It's when you have a mutation in this gene, in these genes that increase your risk for hereditary cancer. So if you are a woman carrying this mutation, you have up to an 85% chance of developing breast cancer and up to a 44% chance of ovarian cancer. Without that mutation, your risk is only 12%. So you're shooting up for breast cancer from 12% to 85%. In a woman. But the, and then a woman who carries this mutation has a 50-50 chance of passing it to each of her children. And that is the same for men. If men carry this mutation, because we'll see families that um, you can actually trace back, like I know this woman that uh, who I met through Sharsharet, and it's very clear that the mutation came from her father's family. But people aren't aware of that, and they think if they just look at the mother's side and don't see a lot of breast cancer, ovarian cancer, or pancreatic cancer, that there, there is no mutation. So it's important for men to know that they can pass this gene on to their sons and daughters, and it also increases their own risk for those other cancers, like prostate, pancreatic, melanoma, and male breast cancer. And if they know that they are carrying the mutation, they also can increase their surveillance and go to the doctor more often so that they can catch a diagnosis in its earliest stages if that's going to happen to them. So it's really important for men to realize that it can be passed down on their side too. Why is it that um, the recommendation is for people, and I've heard this before, for people not to get tested under the age of 25? Is it because of the emotional um, strain that such uh, results could cause? It's that it's less likely, diagnoses are less for these cancers in the early age. There's likely women at that age are starting to do family planning, and if they carry the mutation, it might help them make decisions about fertility, or fertility preservation before that they're just not it's not as relevant to what they could do with that information mm -hmm. and but there are people that are getting doctors to test them younger and younger we do know women as young as the ages of 18 and 19 that are being tested um and people are more vocal about it so they're speaking about it which is a great uh support system for to have conversations it's not a secret anymore for many communities, um, but 25 is the age of recommendation right now. By the way, we should mention getting tested is, is it's not that complicated, I understand, right? There are two ways you can test. You could, it could be a regular blood test um, or it could be a saliva test. And they now have what they're calling direct-to-consumer 
genetic testing. It used to be that you had to have insurance and you had to have a first degree relative to afford testing. It could be it could be as much as $3,000 for testing. Now, I'm sure that people have seen it in their local targets. Um, there, uh, there's a company called 23andMe that's doing genetic testing for the on the BRCA gene for the three founder mutations that are most common in Ashkenazi Jewish populations. So for populations that don't have Ashkenazi um, ancestry, it's not as helpful, actually. It's mm-hmm. really, so it happens to target our target population. So it's important for us to know what they're doing. The challenge with 23andMe is that you don't get to speak to anyone um, when you take the test. You take it home, you submit, and you get it back. What you can do then is if you get your results, because you can now do it for $99, you can then call Sharsharit and speak again at no charge and in privacy about your test result. But for the Ashkenazi Jewish population, these are the most common mutations that are found. And those are the three that they're actually testing for through these home kits. That's amazing. I actually did not know that that was available. And there are doctors that are doing it in their offices now more regularly. OBGYNs are doing it. And certainly breast centers are are doing testing in their offices, sometimes with counseling um, and sometimes without. So we, while we applaud the community for enabling easier access to genetic testing, we also strongly encourage speaking with a genetic counselor and a healthcare professional to understand these complicated results. And again, going back to the men, I think as uh, us as wives, we should also be aware that we could and should encourage our husbands to get tested if um, if we think there is reason to do so, right? Again, with you know, with the support of a healthcare professional to make that decision with you, because you need to make an informed decision. Mm-hmm. But you need to be aware, we really believe in what we're educating the community is what the risks are, that it's one in 40 versus one in 500, that this could be passed down between both mother and father, that when you carry a mutation, it increases your risk significantly. There are measures you can take today to protect your health. So, that's where Sharsheret is promoting that kind of information, and that's where you'll see it in all our materials and our, our events, and we'll do in the Pink Shabbat programs and in Pink Chalabakes. We are educating the community about their risk and the measures they can take today to protect their health. It's very personal, and you should feel very supported when you make that important decision, whether to test or not to test. Hmm. Lena, do you find that it's hard for women to make that initial call or that initial email? to Sharshara, to reach out? Does it come from them, from families? What have you seen? Women are reaching out, just to be clear, even women who have not been diagnosed with cancer, and certainly women who have been diagnosed recently or many years ago or and are seeing a second cancer or are surviving cancer. At any stage of cancer, it's a very difficult call to make. We actually even did an analysis of why women don't call. And there are a number of reasons. They don't want to be part of the club. Hmm. They, They don't even know why they're calling. They don't know what to ask. They kind of think they have support. They're strong families, have friends with breast cancer, ovarian cancer, but it's not exactly what they're going through. So we very often will get an inquiry from a mother, a sister, a father, a best friend, an adult child. We see college campus girls filling out um, requests online for their moms. So it is a very hard first call to make. They've sat through so many doctors and questions and intakes. They don't realize when you call Shard, it's going to be a conversation. So many times the initial 
initial contact to Sharshara is through a family member or a friend or um, or maybe a rabbi in a community. And then we work with the family. We have a program called um, Family Focus. So we know that when a woman is grappling with these issues, it doesn't just affect her, it affects her whole family. So even if she's not ready to make the call, Sharsharit is available and speaking with many, many family members and for, and best friends, we consider family too. So we have mm-hmm. who are reaching out because they're also struggling. What can I do to be helpful? And we have right. tips on how to um, really help your friends because just saying, oh, I'm here to help you is not enough. We have active listening and ways to make what you're offering really helpful uh, because women in general, and I guess it's not great to generalize, but it could be, we're very often the giver. We're not the taker. Yeah. It's very hard for us to be on the receiving yeah. side, right? So they don't want to make that call because they don't want to ask for help. So their friends are doing it and they're asking for help for themselves as their friends, as their sisters, as their moms, as their children. So we're helping them help a woman who's struggling with this. Amazing. Elena, I'm curious about your story. How did you end up following in Rachel's footsteps as the executive director of this wonderful organization? So I actually started as a volunteer. Um, really? A, yeah, it was in 2002. Um, so Rochelle had lived in the same community where I was living and she was coming to speak in my local synagogue about the this new organization. So my friend called me and she said, Ilana, we have to go to the synagogue and hear this woman talk about breast cancer. And I said, you know what? I had four little kids. I was tired. I said, I'm not going out at night. My family doesn't have breast cancer. <laughs> you know, it doesn't relate to me. And she said, how could you not go? We're friendly with this girl who's helping her. So I went out. And when I heard Rochelle speak, I realized that this, when she said, this is not just one woman's issue. This is a Jewish community issue. Correct. And and as a young Jewish woman, I said, how could I just stand by? So I actually filled out at the end of her speech, which of course moved everyone to tears and motivated everyone to get involved. I filled out a volunteer form. And about a week later, I got a call from Rochelle. Oh, you filled out the volunteer form. We're having a volunteer meeting next week. Um, so I went and at the volunteer meeting, she was looking around the room and she said, who's Ilana Silber? And I was like, you've got to be kidding me, really? <laughs> I, I just came here to like stuff envelopes. I don't understand. She said, well, on the bottom of each volunteer form, everyone wrote their expertise. So some people were lawyers and they wrote that they had, could help with legal advice. And some people were in marketing and they could help in that respect. But I didn't really have a skill. I, was, I had an MBA in healthcare, but I, I didn't, how does that translate into skills? So I just said I was organized. So she says, well, you said you were organized, so you're going organize this first event or whatever so you didn't say no to her she had this dynamic electric personality <laughs> so I worked on that first event and then she said you know do you want to help me I think sure sure it's going to be more than a peer support network these women this was at the very beginning they're calling and they're telling me they need help with this and they need help with that can you come on board and help develop programs and I said you know I really it was very meaningful to me I really care about the Jewish community. I grew up with parents who are both Jewish communal service workers and um, and healthcare was a passion of mine. And I said, and I wanted to help other people. So I came on as part-time and then the women started calling and appreciating what we do and asking for more. And then I never left and I was, you know, we were partners. And then unfortunately, um, when Rochelle's cancer progressed and she was getting sick, 
she said to me, you know, my legacy are my two boys and Sharp mm-hmm. Sharon make it grow. So, and then when she passed away, I was appointed this position and every day I'm motivated by carrying on her dream to ensure that every Jewish woman and family can benefit from Sharp Sharon should they ever need us. Wow, that's an incredible story. I mean, talk about the divine providence that's right there. And just the fact that you were anyway interested professionally in healthcare too. I mean, everything just like aligned, right? Yeah, so there's someone looking out for us. <laughs> Definitely. Ilana, what has been the, I guess, the most challenging part of, of your role um, as an executive director of Sharshared and, and being on the on the helping, on the giving end for women, um, any particular challenges that that um, that have come up? It's that we want to do more. Mm-hmm. The biggest challenge, I think, and it goes back to uh, making that first call. We know time and time again that women say, oh, I wish I had called or that I, I guess the biggest challenge is reaching enough people on a limited budget. We're not doing a million dollar advertising campaign, but really getting the message out there that Sharsharet can help you at whatever stage of life you are, whatever stage of cancer you are, uh, whatever your connection to Judaism. Um, and it may be that women call once and that's all they need. And, you know, thank God that's perfect. You know, let them move forward. And there are women that need to call every week for a certain time. And then women call you know, one year and then 10 years later, their daughters are going to college and they have questions or their daughter's getting married or they have other questions. So I guess the biggest challenge for us is getting the message out to women that calling Sharsharet will help you at wherever you are and whatever you need. And you don't have to know what that is when you reach out. That's amazing. And I guess that that is the key point that that you don't have to know exactly what you need when you reach out, which is exactly where most people are probably and what's holding them back because they don't know and they don't fe- they don't know how to define what they need, right? And they don't know that Shershara does that. I've had people who call and say, oh, I didn't know that you had a social worker. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I could speak to someone who was considering doing a mastectomy and speak to someone who didn't do a mastectomy who had the same diagnosis. We had a woman who called who was um, a Rebitson and she um, had four little children, four children and she was had a certain diagnosis and the treatment and she reached out to us and said, you know, I would like to speak to another woman, but especially another Rebitson. And when we looked in our database, we created this database of thousands of women, over 10,000 women. We found another woman, the same age, age, four children, same diagnosis, same treatment, and also a Rabbitson. Wow. One in Philadelphia and one who lived in Los Angeles. And we made that connection for them because what they wanted to talk about was, you know, being the public figure, but also maintaining their privacy. So we were able to make those very tailored matches, either through the peer support network or to address, you know, minute to minute questions that women have from these social workers who know anything and everything that has to do with the cancer journey. Do you ever get women that were on the receiving end and now come back to you either as volunteers or as full-time staff? All the time. That is, before they're finished with treatment, they say, oh, I want to become what we call links because it all goes back to the metaphor of the chain. So a woman who calls out initially for support is called a caller. Mm-hmm. But when she's ready to help other women, she becomes a link. So we've had many, many women who um, transform from a caller to a link, even while they're still in treatment. Um, and so that's why we're able to match though so specifically. And they've also come by and speak at our, we have a training coming up in a couple of weeks where we train women who've had breast cancer or ovarian cancer or carry the mutation or 
have a family history on how to share their story publicly and how and basic information that they might be asked when they speak. So they're speaking one-on-one and they're part of our education and outreach program and they're writing blogs for us um, and they're mentioning us to their doctors and I'd say at least five or six staff members have come on because they volunteered and then became professional. Um, some whose family members have you share shared. I, I have many, many friends who call me first and then can I connect them to Shar Sharad. So we're seeing a lot of women wanting to give back. That part of our survivorship program is creating this network of women who have completed treatment and want to help others and they're running fundraisers and they are coming together as a group and it becomes a little bit of like an ad hoc support group because they talk about their experiences even years ago as their leading fundraisers. So many, many, huge percentage of women are coming back to uh, volunteer, even uh, based on their experience, but also to help the organization grow and expand. Amazing. Do you do you work with mikvahs, um, Ilana? I, I remember once I had a mikvah lady who mentioned, oh my gosh, we need, we need to do more in here to promote, you know, breast breast just checking and and all these kinds of things i think that would be a natural fit right yeah so we do um uh, training for mikvah attendants and also have a special booklet of any mikvah for the attendant on how to um work with a woman who might be coming to the mikvah with a port and other questions and we speak to rabbis and we partner with mikvah to um raise awareness and materials i mean people uh, someone just went to her local mikvah asked us for brochures to share um and there's a mikvah initiative in israel called the eden center and we're also partnering with um naomi grummet is their executive director and she's created a booklet in israel in hebrew using a lot of shersharet's content to share with um their attendance. Beautiful, beautiful. Ilana, let's wrap it up with what I call JLP fill in the blanks, all right? And this is, I guess, how I coronate all of my guests. <laughs> so I'm going to give you an open-ended sentence, a few, and you'll finish them with the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Okay. I'm Ilana Silver, and I feel most spiritual when? When I go to synagogue and I hear the tunes that I heard when I was a small child. It kind of makes, reminds me of my childhood and my dream for the future. Where did you grow up, Ilana? I grew up in Muncie. Muncie. Very nice. Very nice. My favorite mitzvah or one I feel most connected with is? So this is lighting the Shabbat candles. Um, When I first started to come work at Shersheret, I heard uh, Ruchi speak. And in her speech, she talked about the prayer you say before candle lighting. It's called the Yiratzon. And it focuses on our children, that they should be God-fearing and smart. Um, but there are two Hebrew words in there that she said she chose to focus on. It says the, the three words, the zakeni legadel banim, that I should be merited to raise my children. And I'm actually going to cry, but she said, like, as a woman facing serious illness, of course we want the best for our children and they should um, have these incredible lives. But as a woman, I should be merited to raise these children so I can see them. So she said, so that's when I light the candles every Friday night and I say that prayer, the Hiratzon, and I think of those words, that's what I focus on. That we should really be fortunate enough that we should be given, especially this week between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, when we talk about the book of life, we should be alive and healthy to raise our children. Amen. Yes, so true. So true. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is? Um, 
when I was a little girl, I my brother was five years older, and we had always talked about Israel, and it was like this abstract um, piece and a bar mitzvah. It was like a whole new concept for my family, and we went as a family to Israel to celebrate his bar mitzvah, and he read the Torah at the Kotel, at the Western Wall, and it was the first time in my life that I felt like... I was doing something really very Jewish that I had it for. I love that story. That's beautiful. How old were you? Um, I was eight. Mm, very nice. It kind of makes me think we're planning we're planning a trip for our son's bar mitzvah, our oldest, and I have do- younger daughters, so I could only imagine years from now, maybe my daughters will be saying something similar. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it was, it really sticks in my memory. I don't remember my other brothers, but who's three years younger than him, but I, I do remember that one very well. Something I wish I had learned about Judaism growing up is? I wish I had known that embracing your Judaism can also be part of the healing process. Very often we turn to God, like, asking, you know, for healing, but actually being, doing something Jewish can help with the healing. And I really learned it at Sharsharet through the mikvah experience. There are women that are going to the mikvah, not necessarily for the monthly uh, family purity um, ritual, but for healing after chemotherapy. And there's no other religion that's offering that opportunity in the healing process. And when I speak to women after they go through it, it's like an unbelievable experience of renewal. So I I guess I didn't realize that Judaism could also be part of the healing itself and not only a place you turn to to create the healing, but to be immersed in Judaism as part of the healing process. Mm Yeah. When I give tzedakah, I like to give too. So I'm partial to women's clauses. <laughs> I Not to knock the Jewish community, there are terrific um, tzedakah opportunities, but I do feel that women's clauses get less attention. So I'm very mindful to give to women's clauses, certainly Sharsharet. There are other very good clauses out there that embrace uh, women, Jewish learning for women and mikvah. So that's personally for me very meaningful. Yeah. yeah. And, and finally, I'm Alana Silver, and today I'm most grateful for... So I'm really most grateful for my children and now my grandchildren. I have one grandchild and two on the way, and I feel very young, but I guess in life, I, I you know, I and I have to, again, quote Rufi, because we spent so many years, she said that survivorship, grandchildren meant survivorship. She unfortunately didn't um, live to that point, but literally every single morning when I wake up, um, and I, I do say say the Moda'ani and I say, really thank God that I'm here every day and that I made it to this huge milestone to have grandchildren and I, you know, I have four healthy children and one grandchild and two on the way so you know it should be a good and exciting year and I'm most grateful for this opportunity that is you know unbelievably um, gratifying and you know shapes my everyday. That's beautiful. Ilana, before I let you go, if there if there's one piece of advice given your experience at your share that you could leave women listeners with, what would that be? Ask questions. Don't be afraid to talk. You know, you're, you're going to get a lot of unsolicited advice, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Reach out to the right places. You can get what you need by hearing what other people are going through. I really believe there's a golden nugget in everywhere you go. You'll learn something. So, for example, you don't have to ask a neighbor, but you can call Sharsharet and listen to what we have to say and ask the questions that made. And you could, don't have to use your name. You can do it privately. You can do it by phone. You can do it by email. You can do it by text. You have to be your own advocate in everything. And there's a lot of information out there. So don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid of the answer.
answers. There's always someone there, especially through Shoshare, that can help you get through it. But asking questions, learning more, it will only help you. Thank you so much, Ilana. Again, the website is shoshare.org. And if anybody wants to support, we can make donations on the website, right? Yeah, there's a button called Donate Now. And uh, this time period of Sadaka, we really welcome your support that will carry us through until next year. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity. And Kolakabot, for all the work that you do, this is really critical, so, so important. And really, it should be a year of growth, a year of health for everybody, and a year of growth that you should continue to touch many women's lives and help them in a positive way. And God willing, nobody should need your services. But just if, if Mashiach hasn't come and we still need healing, emotional and physical, you should be here to help us. Thank you. And thank you for bringing this topic and other topics that are so important. And what you're doing is incredible. It's definitely improving Jewish lives and saving Jewish lives. And we are so grateful for what you're doing for the community. It's really incredible. And I know how much women appreciate it. So thank you. Thanks, Alana Silver, for stopping by. To find out more about Sharsheret or to donate to this important cause, visit sharsheret.org. And remember that there is support there available 24-7. Please, please make that important call or send that text if you need to today. And of course, support your Jewish community by bringing attention to this organization, asking your local mikvah or synagogue to carry their materials or to organize an education program with Sharsheret. Get involved, get educated, and hope Hopefully, as I mentioned before, this will be a year of good health, both physically and spiritually, for our entire community and the world at large. That is my wish to you and your families in the coming year, health and only revealed good. I'll see you here next time. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.